to Free Range American Podcast. We are here with Bert Soren, uh, co-owner, president of Sornex Equipment, fitness equipment, however you say that. Welcome to the show. Longtime friend, great dude, amazing human, uh, body like a Viking, great beard. <laughs> just got to be complimentary. Uh, uh, let's say probably one of the best beards, not just a great beard. I think wow. that thing that's like... 20 inches, 24 inches? It's no? Yeah, it's almost belt line again. So as Matt's calls it, long form. But thank you for having me. Thank I you. feel like I, you have to make a lot of like life changes when you're you do. that long. It's a right? safety hazard, I'll be honest. Ratchet yeah. straps and, um, and, and collapsible stocks, not really yes. friendly. I always had that when I had my beard down here. It's partly why I shaved it. Every time I'd shoot, I'd rip yep. out beard hair with the stuck stock. And then every time I would power clean, I yep. would get it stuck. And I'd be like, oh, God, oh, God, ah, ah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Do you have a good method? Do you tuck it underneath the uh, shirt? It's actually, the method is here. I go back and tuck it in the back of my hat for power Is that clean. considered a face mask? With it, the, is. Uh, it is. It would. I don't know if it's you know PPE rated, but... Yeah, maybe yeah. the bottom side of it is my virus side, and this is the clean side. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're stoked to have you on, brother. You do so Thanks. much cool shit. Uh, you're an outdoorsman. And, I, I mean, I really want to just kick off probably with your fitness stuff because we met through plenty of mutual friends. Sure. Um, we hung out a bunch at the Total Archery Challenge. We've been buddies. You actually yeah. came out and assembled my gym. So yeah. a lot of people that see my home gym, uh, Bert and I worked through that with their design team, the layout, and was nice enough to really square me away with my rack and a bunch of other weight equipment. And yeah. why don't you just jump into what Sornex does because you guys yeah. probably make the most quality stuff out there. It's very Thanks, impressive. Man. Thanks. I, I have to, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. And it's, it's a pleasure watching. I mean, I've known you guys for a long time, but the things that you guys are doing in the industry is really, really cool. And I get a lot of inspiration from y'all. So thanks again for having me. And, you know, it's fun going out and doing your home gym. And I was there uh, the day that you did the um, instructor Earl. And so being side, oh, so being side stage for that was <laughs> really, really freaking awesome. Just seeing the mastery of how your team does it. And so uh, was that was that Instructor Earl 2, I believe, you were out for? That was the original. Oh, you're out the range for the original. Oh, that's yeah. right. Get yeah. back. That hot oh. day. Oh, it was hot as yeah, fall. Yeah, you saw the then, original uh, execution on that. That's oh, I right. still got it on my cell phone. I'm just, I, I watch <laughs> it sometimes and just laugh my ass off. It was, it was, it was cool seeing behind the scenes like how funny y'all got you guys are but how professional and how you run it and just the vision and it i'm not gonna kiss your ass anymore but it's well, organized chaos is what we like to do yeah but that's how the that's how it works right i mean that's really how sornex has been it's been shoestrings and and making shit happen for 40 years but people look at it, they go oh it's not run like a big business like i don't know we're a business if it happens to be big it happens to be big right which you guys have a pretty interesting story on that side as kind of entrepreneurially speaking because you guys were some of the first people ever to like make racks to include i believe you had the presence at the first crossfit games yeah. uh with your rack so you you guys go way way back way back. Yeah, my dad started our company in 1980 uh, out of our carport. So we had a little, you know, thousand square foot house or whatever. And he had a little carport and, you know, rich kids had garages. We had the carport. So he, uh, he was a school teacher and a coach, <clears throat> always a weightlifter, always built stuff and just said, Hey, the stuff that's out there right now, isn't strong enough, isn't adjustable enough, isn't safe enough. And so, you know, he's a big, strong guy. He's like, I could make it better or I could figure out how to make it better. So he bought a, a little buzz box welder and made one piece of equipment, sold it to a local, 
I don't know, high school, church, whatever it may be, took the, took the money, got half of it, went and bought another machine and just built it literally up from ground up and never intended it for it to be a you know multi-million dollar business. It was always, as he said, and I totally agree, it was his cover charge to be in the industry that he loved, which was strength. So if he was able to be relevant and change the strength industry, even in the smallest bit, that was what he considered success. There was no business plan. There was no investors. There was no, hey, we're going to do this and take over the industry. It was like, no, if I could add something to the world that I love, then I've been a success and I get you know, maybe put some food on the table in the meantime. That journey has to be probably one of my favorite in business is where you don't have this like big private equity firm that comes in and goes, let's carve out $10 million and take over this market share. It starts with a little bit of a vision of, man, this doesn't exist. And I think it's very similar to what we did was there wasn't a pro veteran, you know, pro America coffee company that had veteran humor. So we kind of created uh, what we thought was missing and what we wanted. And I yes. think that's happened in the fitness world. Like I want better shit, but no one's making shit. it better do it myself. Yeah. I, let me figure out how to make stuff. You're exactly right. And that's where I see so many of the parallels. Why I love what you guys are doing. Cause you guys took it. And I was thinking about this on the drive in successful people. You look at what they're doing now and everyone, you know, you could say you've been around what five, six years, but like, Oh, you guys blew up. Well, maybe, but there's also the stuff that you're doing now that was the things you were doing 10 years ago, whether it was when you were still in and the mindset and the vision and the drive and all the same stuff. The stuff that Sornex is doing now that you're seeing is the same stuff we were doing 10 years, 20 years. It just takes time. And most people don't have the longevity ability to stick with it, and they don't have it in their heart and their soul to keep going because it's if it's not there, it's not going to stay for 10 years, right? So the the stuff you, – you guys have always been funny. You've always had a community. You We're always, not always funny. Don't 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 give us too much credit. We've, well, we've, had, pretty, our, we've had our crappy videos. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen my TikTok. It's not funny. No, I don't, I, I, I'm over 40, Matt. I don't watch TikTok. <laughs> uh, there's like two videos. I don't even know how to use the app. So. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, that's, that's how we've been. And you look at it and it's been a slow burn. You know, we've had more of a – acceleration probably the last eight years because we actually decided to start being good at business. But for like the first 30 something years, it was like, we're going to change the strength world and do what we do and not learn about business because we love strength. Well, not really the smartest, but it'll keep you holding on when you shouldn't. And that's why I keep telling people there's so many times that we should have stopped because we were out of money, out of this, you know, just, but if you're delusional enough that you believe in what you're doing, you'll stick around and you'll just keep doing it. And you'll basically say F the world that, that is trying to put me out of business. And I'm just going to keep slugging until there's no one left. And you guys have done a lot of big projects. You've done professional sports teams, like going through your Instagram is just so amazing. <laughs> Eye candy, like some of the builds you yeah. guys have just done. I, I was just watching the, the air force Academy build out that you guys did. Yeah. Holy cow. That was enormous. That's but then beast. you're also doing stuff like you just built and designed that off grid rack. That mm-hmm. was uh, a home gym solution. Mm-hmm. That's readily available. How, how are you dividing your time between this big ticket stuff and then sort of the stuff that every man can can have? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. So the gestation period on those big jobs, I mean, I think we worked on the Air Force job for like six or seven years. Wow. That's how far out they knew that was coming. So we're, you know, there's a long gestation process. And although it's a 
you know, it's a big money job and big thing. You got to understand that, you know, over seven years, that's amortized over, um, you know, but that's just how we do things. The majority of our stuff are big facilities, whether it be the Patriots, the Lakers, uh, you know, Air Force, or whether it be an elite military organization. Um, it's a very intentional purchase, and we design it intentionally from the ground up. That'd be my question for you, though. What, what's the difference? Because uh, for, for the listeners, like you're saying, you've done the Patriots, the Lakers, you've done special operations units, you've done mm-hmm. DOD contracts. Are they v- fairly similar as far as kind of the ideation and execution aspect? But I, I imagine working with the government can be ch- challenging, but I have no clue, like, working with, like, a pro sports team and how much creativity you guys have going into that or do they kind of just give you a generality of like these are the physical fitness standards of you know 75th ranger regiment build us something that will create right. a better right right well that's a great question it's strangely enough they're very very similar because as i've always said like not always but we were told by a customer we're the go-to guys for the go-to guys so when winning is absolutely necessary whether it's in special operations community or like i said the Patriots or the Yankees or whoever it may be like, they're going to get what they need. And the, the purchase is going to be extremely uh, intentional and we're going to go over every little bit. It's a hard business model. You can't scale it too fast and it's not necessarily a general fitness business model. Um, so it's a little bit difficult in that perspective, but when the people get the experience of going over every single thing, whether it's, you know, you know, all the, all the different DOD places and military, you know, they're they're going to get what they want. I'm sure you, the guns that you guys got and the 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 optics and everything was very intentional. It wasn't just I think we found these on sale, right? And so we go through those processes with them, and you know, instead of maybe talking to the crafts, uh, we talk to some people high up the chain um, in the military world, and and so it's it's a very similar. Uh, you know, process because everyone wants the best stuff if they're, if it's best in class. And so our business is, is different in that regard. They want the experience and they want the intentionality. I mean, much like when we designed yours, Matt, you know, we went over each step and changed some things and got it exactly what you wanted or at least close to it. And, um, you know, people think we only do the big contracts. That's what we do mostly, but we do home gyms constantly if people want that level of stuff. Yeah, that's what I really liked talking with you because, you know, I talked to a few other people and I have different exercise equipment. But for you guys, it was so much more of a nice cup, mm-hmm. uh, the personal experience of the weightlifting. And you can tell when just talking to you in real life how passionate about physical fitness and conditioning you are and how individually tailored your stuff is. And I, and I really I really enjoyed that. And I think I still need to fly you back out and have you walk me through all the functionality because every day I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't even know that. Bar did this. It's like everything does the craziest stuff. So that's what I love about it. Is like you have the ability to engage your creative brain yes. as you're going through a workout with your system. Yes. Like it, it, it almost becomes outside. You know, it's not just a physical workout. Like you're also doing some things mentally in there as right. well to build that with while you're building your physical right. strength, well, which is really and, cool. Well, thanks. And I, that's what I think people don't understand. It's I'm an artist as well as obviously you guys are too. That's a computer is not just for emails for you guys. You have your art that comes out of that. And so part of why we designed the equipment to 
to work like it does is from a safety aspect, a applications aspect for the athletes, but also it just keeps me from getting bored. So during my training, I'm, I'm coming up with stuff. And as long as I know different force vectors and angles of attack and different load parameters, I could change things constantly because let's be honest, you can get really strong doing bench squat and deadlift, but I think I'll probably shoot myself in the knee if I have to just do bench squat and deadlift for another 25 years. So I want to be able to do other things that make my brain work and and go, oh, if I do this, it loads heavier at the end, and that'll help if I have a scapular issue. And that's how you push the industry forward if, when you're when you continue literally to be the tip of the spear, because there's there's very little data out there. And at that point, and you're doing things that people haven't done before or not had been made very public, but that's the part that I enjoy. I'm a hunter and I'm an explorer. This just allows me to hunt and explore different opportunities within my business and within the, the world that I like, which is human performance. Yeah, I love that. And the, you can obviously see that through the innovation of some of the stuff you guys do. I mean, before you, I didn't even know what a center mass ball was and <laughs> uh, what a center mass ball. It's essentially like a dumbbell, but in a center form. So the weight distribution on your hands is significantly different and it, definitely acts different when you lift it and, and it's strange very, right it's yeah, very it's, strange yeah all three axes it's it's center mass right so you're just like your hands are weighted and it looks like a dumbbell looks like a kettlebell but i mean you've had experience you know it's a, a different feel and it's not always the perfect feel because you know sometimes the flywheel effect of a dumbbell or the off center what they call it inverted pendulum of a kettlebell is needed but that's where it's always a tool, right? You know, and, and a, uh, a red dot is different than a scope. It's different than iron sights. They all have you know, different purposes. I got to ask this one. So in all my dumbbells that you guys uh, got me, there's a American flag mustache. And I see <laughs> the mustache on your hat right now. Yeah. What, what is that? Where did that come from? How is it associated right. with the brand? Cool. Uh, so, yeah, my dad had a handlebar mustache all through the 90s. Of course he did. Was, of course he did because it makes only sense. Um, and then the, the the handlebar mustache was always a, a kind of a signature and a sign homage back to the strongman days, you know, the guys, the physically cultured days. You actually see the little dude on my shirt. Um, and so one day, uh, probably 10 years ago, one of my employees go, man, we ought to make a shirt that just has, you know, this is a little guy's Bosco. We're like, just the Bosco mustache because it's really hard to grow one of those. If you just had it on your, you could just pull it up and make a mustache. And this was strangely like a year or two before the big handlebar mustache craze. And we're like, oh, cool. So we made a shirt and it was like kind of fun. And then about six months later, I just walked through the office. I looked at it. I was like, it's just missing something. Like we're an American brand. And that was why I was really fighting everyone going over to China and, and, and sourcing everything and everyone would bitch about price. And I kept telling them, listen, we're having to innovate with American infrastructure and then having to fight my own designs later coming out of China. And I was like, Americans, what, what this is, it's American strength. And so I just drew the American flag inside the mustache. I was like, it should be that just kind of jokingly. And, um, you know, all because of a you guys manufacture pretty much everything in house, if I'm correct, right? Yes, I would say we source a few small things, but I mean anything that's a Sornex piece of equipment, like a rack or whatever, it's manufactured about 50 yards that way. That's um, phenomenal. So I get to walk through, and it's and it's cool. I enjoy, you know walking through the, the thing and, and seeing like, oh, cool, there's Matt Best stuff. Oh, cool, there's Logan stuff. Oh, there's the Yankees. There's And I could look at it physically and I could go over the, the, the build list and make sure, hey, that color looks a little bit off. Hey, check that those REL colors and make sure that we're, we're set on that. And I enjoy that because like I'm still a little kid that in many ways that you want 
you want to be relevant, right? You want you want to make people smile. You want to make people happy. And I know if these big brands and big names, if we can make them happy, that we did a good job. So, yeah, you're also a pretty good marketer too, because that once I saw that coming Insta- from you, well, thank you. <laughs> when I saw that Instagram post of your home gym, I was blown away and floored <laughs> because you guys also make tables. And my only maybe uh, critique would be it's like 900 pounds, and it's definitely difficult to move. But once it's yes. there, it's great, Fair. and it's there. Um, Fair. But seeing that, that's really what inspired me to like invest in myself and build the home gym because I said, wow, this is like a, a fitness center for my own individual growth. And that was why I wanted to invest the time, energy and money into the home gym was because investing in yourself is everything, right? Continued education in business, becoming a better leader. There's all these steps that you can take on a daily basis. And fitness for me is a huge, huge part of that because I'm sure like everybody on the show right now, if you don't get that workout in the morning or whenever you do, it kind of fucks my whole day up. And I didn't realize how much uh, mentally better I was just having that home gym and and working out. And and what I'll take with that is segue into, you know, not everybody has the means to have a big gym, but you guys have kind of pivoted recently based off of the need to make home racks, as Logan was talking about, and like investing time and energy into the physical fitness journey at home. Um, Right. Are, are you guys going to pursue that more? Because you did some awesome things. I know you were donating some stuff. So, mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate that. No, that's a good question. I want to, first of all, thank you. I mean, you understood the need, the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, everything need of having a, a you have a human performance center, right? It, I would say it's a gym, but there, it's also, it's the dojo where you get better at all those levels. But you also have where you could do podcasts in there. You could hang out and, and, and have people come in there. I know you have your studio right off the side. So I see that as like a creative studio, which is exactly like my cave. That's where I load out for all my adventures. That's where I dream of new adventures. That's where I could do podcasts or business meetings and everything. So people go, oh, it's a man cave. I call it the fam cave because I could pull my whole family in there. It becomes like a very valuable space. So yeah, I invested a lot of money to make it work, but it's my favorite 1,500 square feet on the planet. And you know, I have to thank you because when you called me initially, you know, you didn't ask for a handout. I mean, you're, 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 you guys are a big deal, a big company, but you said, hey, I want the best stuff. I want to go for the experience. I'm not going to beat you down on price. I want the experience and get it. And, and I, it's like you put your money where your mouth is. And I have to commend you for that because not everyone does that. And so that was a big respect from this end. Like, Hey, Matt, Matt's a real dude. And really, and I was proud that you wanted our stuff enough to put your dollars at work. So thank you. First of all, I'll have to have uh, Dave cut in the home gym stuff. Cause you guys have built some rad home gyms. Uh, well, I know we're <laughs> just kind of bullshit on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Like sure. It, but. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, but going back, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, please, 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 please. Yeah, so the home gym stuff. So going over to the off grid rack. Um, so the That's stuff what it's we've called, off grid rack. Off grid, yeah. Okay. And um, so we're you know we're doing some more stuff in the outdoors world. It's from a business side. Been in the outdoors world my whole life, but it's you know Sornex just chases our passion, right? Much like Black Rifle. It's if we're we're into this, we're going to figure out a way to be more into this. And of course. COVID hit and we're getting blown up left and right of everyone saying, Hey, do you have any scratch and dent racks? Do you have this? And of course, if you have a couple things around the shop, that goes like in the first week. Um, you know, anything that would hold a barbell off the ground or weighed more than 10 pounds, people wanted to buy. And that was cool, but that's not what we're set up for. Just moving a ton of 
honestly like shitty scratch and dent type product. We're not a commodity company. So of course I get blown up by coaches and athletes that not that the normal human person, regular guy that's trying to train isn't important, but I also realize that the people that do it for a living, an athlete that there, maybe their scholarship relies on their physical preparedness or or a coach, like I'm going to put those guys at the front of the line because you know, it's much like I know a lot of veteran-owned companies. You know, if the boys are about to load up and go overseas, they're going to get preferential treatment. So, we wanted to make sure the people that that is their livelihood had something. And we go, okay, we can't build all of these things in high-end equipment fast enough because we had a re- little bit of a reduced workforce at the time, and also people don't have a lot of extra cash sitting around to build this badass weight room. And they don't have ten weeks to wait for it. So, how do we come up with something that has minimal hands on there? And so, I designed a rack that didn't have to be welded so because we had we were short some welders so if we could cut it out on the laser bend it a few times and we could get them out the door quickly we could fulfill the need of people let's put it at a price point that has a low margin we're not trying to launch a new line we're not trying to make a big profit we're trying to get people training in a wartime solution and it was kind of to give back to our community and realize they have the same value system that we do and we said, well, you know, should we have, you know, we were looking at doing a couple of donations and it was like, well, what percentage should we do? And couldn't, couldn't figure it out. And we got to make sure we cover costs here. And, you know, and not to sound strange, but I kind of dreamt of it that night and I kind of woke up and I just had this weird feeling. And I was like, I called my COO and I called my marketing guys like, hey, like, let's just give it all away, man. Like, let's just what, what? Yeah. Just like, Okay, for a certain amount of time, there's going to be the big glut of orders. Let's let's promise we'll do it and try to get them out in under a week to help people and all the profits. Just give the shit away and put it put it at work. And so we were able to give it to um, an affiliation of 5013C that actually helps the service industry. So the the waitresses and the bartenders and all the people that you know That's we rely on there. Brother. And it was cool. So the coaches were able to be a part of it. So their dollars were able to go to support people that support our infrastructure, all of our infrastructure of life. And we were able to donate a little over ninety eight thousand bucks. And it was it was really really cool. And and so it wasn't us doing it. It was everyone coming around and putting their dollars at work. And uh, I was very proud of it. And and you know there's probably close to a thousand people that now have a rack at their house that wouldn't have been able to afford one before, and they got it quickly. And so. I don't know where we'll go with it from that, but I think, you know, in a short period of time, we, we created a, a positive impact. Yeah, well, I just, like, it's so cool to see from a creative standpoint, like, how you guys shifted. How long did it take from ideation to that thing's going out the door? Because I'm assuming you guys still had to go through, like, a patent application process. Yeah, so literally, I drew it up in about 10 minutes. I texted my my shop manager. I said, hit me on FaceTime. And I literally, I was in the cave. I drew it. I hit it. I, I put it on FaceTime. I showed him. I said, we need to do this, this, and this. Here's the dimensions I would use. I was like, draw it up. Get it to me within the hour. He hit me a, a mechanical drawing of it. We changed it one or two things. That night, he cut it out on the laser. The next day, it was at my marketing guy, Josh Dobby, at his house. We bolted it at his wall. Tried it for a day. Changed two things. As we did it, we put in for the patent on it, 
And nine day total nine days later, we launched it and had the first fifty ready to go. And, and if people don't know business, I mean, holy yeah. shit! It, 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 it's something fire. Uh, which I love smaller business and not having you know some parent company running the shows because they'll <laughs> they'll refuse to let you pivot and move that fast on, yeah. on aspects of the business. And you know, some of that could be the difference between you guys being able to employ your employees and having yeah. to let people go. So. Very, very yeah. smart. What What is it? So it bolts into the wall, and it's like a yeah. rack? Yeah, it's a rack. It's a very simple rack system with no moving parts. Bolts to the wall. It could bolt to a barn. It could bolt to rafters. It, we bolted to a tree out at our farm, and our two trees. And so the idea is it, it could go anywhere. You could screw it. As long as you have some screws, you could you could screw it in there. And then the idea is the kind of the, the salient feature of it was anytime you have a rack, you have to – if you. For a stability point, you could either bolt it to something or it could be freestanding. But if you're going to press or, or squat or whatever, a lot of people still you need to do an upper body pull, so a pull-up. Okay, so you need a chin-up bar because most racks have a chin-up bar. Well, now you're including hardware. You have more welding. You have laser-cut time. You have all this other stuff. You have some fabrication needs, and that's why I want to get away from fabrication. So about 15 years ago, I came up with a design that utilized a V technique where you drop the barbell into the top of the rack, and the barbell becomes the, the chin-up bar. And it never, it was ahead of its time. It never really caught on. And I remembered that theory. I was like, hold on, we can make a V, a laser cut V in the top of this. If people have the rack, they already have a barbell. Why have to pay for the rack or the barbell? Why have to build it? Why have to do all this other stuff? If they have it, they put it up top. And so we, we pulled together a lot of different technologies we'd used before. And again, made something that, you know, I would, I mean, we could have sold the first one three days out, four days out, but we, took a little bit of time because we actually, as you well know from marketing, you have to take pictures of it. You have to video it. You have to let people know what's going on. You have to really figure out what the price is and uh, figure out boxing solutions. And so it was crazy. But the conversation when we started, like you said, Matt, you know, I called my dad who's co-owner and founder. I was like, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I think. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Called my CEO. Yeah, let's do it. And then I just, you know, hit my shop manager. I was like, make 50 of them. And soon as soon as they soon as they go for sale, we'll have fifty ready, and those sold out in about an hour. <laughs> it was like, okay, well, maybe maybe we messed up on that, but it was it was cool. It was a, a neat neat deal. Yeah, I have to thank you for sending one out to me. I've been using I think close to a month now. And cool. Oh, I see how this goes. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. Some of us don't have those super nice gyms, you know. We got we got a garage. We got a garage. Sorry for yeah. working my whole life, Logan. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Was, Johnny come lately. Yeah, it's two pieces of steel and four pieces of plastic. It took yep. a half hour to install. I've been using it every day since. Cool. And just Is it working for you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, from from squats to just having those things, you know, if you're doing bent over rows and it's just right there. It's it, it's way simpler, it's organized, it, it's overall a, a really cool. good piece of equipment. I, I appreciate it. I, I kind of see it like a like a K bar, like an E tool or something like that. Yeah. Is it pretty? Is it perfect? No, but does it get the job done for what you need it to do? And and it's really it's a different scenario that we've really made on all of our other stuff. Instead of super Gucci and awesome, it's like simple as it gets. Like how do you pare it down as 
easily as possible. It seems like it has a future potentially for the outdoor line. That's a, that's that, that's let's go down that journey because uh, you know, like, what does fitness mean to you? I know for me, and we talked a little bit about it before, mm-hmm. but like, fitness is one of the things that keeps me insane. And I often talk about me having like this, insane. <laughs> yeah, right. Is I have so much energy and like creativity and the endorphins alone that I dump in the gym and like sauna. I come up, I'd say, eighty-five percent of my ideas and innovation and everything that I'm doing because I have that endorphin dump. And yeah. I think what the misleading part of a lot of fitness, and I think people are realizing this in kind of unfortunate times, is you don't really need an epic gym. You know, there's like baseline fitness can start with you know a, a kettlebell, some retention bands, and two two forty pound dumbbells, and you can crush your entire soul with that. And I've tried to be hopefully more of an advocate that you know you can have all the flashy stuff, but you know a high point still shoots a nine mil, other than a four thousand dollar you know uh, whatever yeah. pistol. It'll it'll kill you just as good. E- exactly, <laughs> and I think that there, there are those baseline steps that you can take fairly uh, insignificant and financially to better your fitness journey. And I hope more people invest in themselves that way. Uh, but like right. fitness is obviously an integral part of what you do. Is, is, has that always been since a kid? Like, did you play sports? Did you? Um, yeah, that's a good question. But I, yeah, from a fitness side, it's, it's an absolute, probably much like yourself. I was, I've done, done something physically challenging, you know, since I would say, I mean, when I was a little kid, I played with it, but you just don't understand to really push when you're a little kid, but fine. So like high school, I would say ninth grade, I've arguably trained four days a week since ninth grade. Um, and I'm 43 now. So it's been one of those, just, this is what we do. This is how life goes. There's going to be a strenuous, uh, induction of stress at some point, And with the, with the, predication that we're going to get better at something and um, i'm gonna start asking you for shirtless photos when i don't want to go to the gym because you're jacked and ripped at 43 years old and you got 10 years on me so it's unfair i don't know what you're doing over there well i know i was like shit man matt's looking big dude it's It's because you're because I, I've torn pecs enough, so you still got the good the good boobies there, and it's, I'm a little frustrated. <laughs> yeah, he's got them real nice boobies. It, mm-hmm. It's probably all that deer meat you eat. Did you kill that white tail sitting right behind you? Yeah, yeah, over there. Yeah, because um, you're an avid our, hunter, correct? Avid hunter. Yeah, that's uh, the kind of the two things I love the most is training and outdoors. So kind of makes sense so uh yeah no i killed that in missouri a couple years ago my bow that was one of those weird times but uh back to fitness so yeah it's fitness it's just stress induction right and it's accommodation to that and so i think people they put the barrier of entry too high when they maybe think they have to get a super nice gym or or whatever like of course i sell super nice gyms if that's the direction you want to go cool i get it and that's where i try to integrate other things versus just work into it if that makes sense if there's like a style or a fashion in it that bespeaks and and speaks to you i love how my gym looks to my like my eye it charges me up when i walk in there because i get to see innovative things that i've tweaked in there that get me excited that those those endorphins rush and then I come up with great stuff kind of much like yourself when I'm training I'm in there by myself that's why I call it the cave and I I intentionally don't have windows in there when I shut it in there I don't know what time it is I don't and I could just be in a flow state and the strength training puts me in a flow state and from a fitness side what people have to understand is if you want to look better naked eat well (laughs) 
I like that. I mean, the goal is to look better naked. I mean, You'll I mean, be really, happy. your significant other will be happy. Yeah, maybe potentially more significant others. Like, I guess. <laughs> uh, um, if you want to be, if you want to, you know, be fit or whatever it may be, it's really it's just very very simple. Eat not like shit and do. Here's the weird part: it's it's inefficient work. That's what really does fitness it's it's doing something that's harder than it needs to be oh i cool my lights just i forgot i was here um so that we'll keep rolling um so that's what people don't understand so like work that's the weird caveat of the strength industry which people don't really understand every other industry makes the technology is put into place to make work easier right whether that's car or computer i mean everything is made to make work easier the caveat of it is it doesn't work in the fitness industry because what makes fitness happen is inefficient work. If you want to ride your bike, you want to make it harder, let the air out the tires. You know, you want to carry a if you're carrying a bag, you want to make it harder, make the bag heavier, make the strap shittier, whatever it may be. It's, it's kind of a weird deal. So we're always kind of walking this fine line of how do you make it inefficient and really hard but also mitigating this, the risks of potential injury, increasing the accountability, and then also kind of the, the part in your head that makes you want to go do it, right? And that's where the different styles of training comes in to make me excited about going and doing some inefficient work. And that's from a fitness side what people have to understand. Go out and do some inefficient work and don't eat like an idiot and you'll be further ahead, right? But then there's the human performance side, and that's on the other end of the spectrum. We could talk about that if you want to. Yeah, so that, that, that's, a, that's a good question. So let's just say I, I'm you know, 33. That's my age. I don't have a home gym. I can't go to a, a gym right now. I have a 9 to 5. Like, w- Where does that barrier of entry into a fitness journey start? Is that getting equipment? I mean, like, what would be the guidelines, relatively inexpensive, if I went to Sornex and go, okay, I want to look better naked for my wife sure sure i mean you're exactly think that that point is going to be multi-joint movements right and 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 people say what do you mean by that well how many if you do an exercise how many joints are flexed or or extended a deadlift you're going to have ankles are going to move your knees are going to move your hips are going to move and there's going to be some contraction in this in the scapular plane for a back stabilization it works everything as they say Uh, a thruster front squat into a push press you pretty much work everything and that's why that's such a good exercise for fitness because it's a very inefficient way to move stuff right um I would say a kettlebell works great. A barbell is the chassis, in my opinion, of all of all real strength fitness. A barbell and some plates doesn't have to be bumper plates. The only need, reason you need bumpers is if you're going to drop them on the ground. Uh, regular plates work fine. Get your CrossFit on and throw it up in the air, you know? All, all day long and get, wait for the slow-mo and the sweat shots. It's great. Um, so I would say a barbell, if you know, a kettlebell will... will certainly screw your day up from a inefficient fitness, you know, inefficient work standpoint. But if you want to start putting on strength, you have to overload. And the overload principle is what you probably remember from Milo of Crete, the old idea that he was a, a small boy, picked up a cow, walked him around the Olympic stadium. And every day he would pick up the same, the same young bull. And eventually the idea was he was able to carry a full grown bull around the Olympic stadium and he became stronger, stronger, stronger. So that's what they call Milo, the, the godfather or the, the legend, the godfather of the overload 
load principle, which means more stress equals more strength. I do really like that guidance because I think I, I've been on my fitness journey since pretty much 17 when my transition from emo bass player to future Army Ranger started happening. I, think I, saw, I don't remember if I saw pictures of it or maybe when I listened to your book or saw or read your book. I think yeah, the jet black hair, you know, I wrote poetry in high school. Um, <laughs> you would have totally beat you up. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that was, you know, in part was I'd been bullied and that was like a lot of why I got into physical fitness because I wanted to be kind of responsible for my own self. And I think with fitness, uh, even today at 33, working out essentially for 15 years, I, there's so much information out there on fitness that it, I think it's like drinking from a fire hose. And I think a lot of people get caught up in the minute details of what they should and shouldn't be doing. And and I don't know if you agree with this, and I love your opinion, but kind of the first step in fitness, if you want to get into it, is like what do I want out of this, right? Do exactly. I? Because everybody, right, I want to look like this fitness model. Well, you know, ounces make pounds, and it's a matter of – you know, do I want to lose a little bit of fat? Do I want to get strength? Because I think you have to tailor those movements and workout cycles completely different. Because I tell even on like a three-week interval basis, my body will change like arm, shoulders, or body fat percentage based off of what movements I'm doing in the gym. Exactly. And and I think, do you, do you, do you try to do that with people, like educate them as far as this is the first good step into fitness rather yes. than you know, looking at 900 things on bodybuilding.com of how to get bigger pecs. I think it's very misleading. Right. It, you're, you're exactly right. I think it, it boils down to a, you have to, you have to see where someone is. There's an evaluation and then there's a goal setting just like any with business or anything else or sighting in a rifle. Where'd your first shot land? Well, who knows what you're going to go up or left or right. If you don't know where your first shot land, where are you? And taking good measurements, whether it's actual measurements, circumference measurements, body fat, uh, weight, pictures in your underwear, whatever it is, and go, I, do I like this or not? If it's no, what would I change? All right, well, now we have a direction. We know what we're looking for. Now we have a, if it's, no, I'm kind of skinny and I need to put on some some mass, great. Let's go hypertrophy. You're going to need some strength to move some weight for hypertrophy. We're not going to fool with cardio right now. It doesn't that that's going in the opposite direction. And so that's where people really understand what they're trying to accomplish. You're exactly right. Fitness is like, you know, the world and you could go anywhere in that that continuum or that world that solar system that you want. But but you're exactly right. If you know, I could I know my body well enough. Uh, I could tell you within two pounds of where I am. I could tell you kind of what I need more or less. And I could tell you if I need to lose a little bit of fat around my waist, what I need to do for the next two to three weeks to do it. Or if I could just tell my glutes and hamstrings aren't as strong when I go to, say, load a trailer or like for the four-wheeler or something. Like, ah, this used to be easier to do. I need to get back to some partial deadlifts. I know my core is a little bit off for where it is. But I have a very good – I'm very in touch with my body because I've done it forever. That's where you have to say what are you looking to accomplish and then you, then you associate the tools and the application with it. You can't just – it's hard to just say, hey, get a kettlebell and swing it a jillion times. It'll help, but, you know. I think we're putting Dave to sleep range. over here because we're talking about fitness so much. Well, Dave doesn't work out, so he's not interested in Sorry, Dave. Whatsoever. 
Well, is JT still in the room? Because it seems like he stopped drinking and started working out. And I know that's more of a he joke hasn't, for everyone. He hasn't drank for a week and a half, he told me this morning, which I'm proud oh, of. Is him. that what he told for you? Him? He told me three days. Three days? Who knows, yeah. Oh, <laughs> misleading information. Something that gets said fairly frequently. and then I know, that was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard on every podcast, like, hey, you're not drinking. This is great. I'm happy for him. You know, I want to be healthy. What, what's been, like, the hardest struggle in, in business for you? Because I know on a day-to-day basis as a business owner, every day waking up, there's like hyper complex issues and you have to be super unemotional because if you let emotion run your life, it just destroys you and you go down a rabbit hole. But I'm sure we have similarities in things that we've had challenges with, but what what has been like the hardest part of this journey in scaling Sorenex? Learning business. Yeah. Learning. It's, it's becoming a student of business. I hate to say it, business doesn't really, really excite me as much. Business is a is a method to to getting to my passion and making my passion sustainable and, and profitable for a long period of time. It's the that's that part of it. I, I'm more interested in it than I was before, but that having to learn all the minutia of business to be able to fight on the battlefield of the market, that's been the biggest challenging thing. Yeah, it's like eating your veggies. Gotta eat your right. veggies, man. You gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta, like, Logan's veggies. in the rabbit hole right now with having to manage, and he, you know, he's uh, like, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> veggies. That's what we did. We're like, hey, Logan, you want this executive position? And then I threw him all my bullshit work that I didn't want to do. And it's not bullshit. It's hyper, <laughs> hyper important, obviously. It's just, uh, right. you know. It's just, yeah, I mean, and, and I'll have the same question for you. It's like, do you enjoy the business part of it or do you enjoy the product that comes out of it? I, I'd say both. I mean, the last three to four years, I've got far more in involved in the business of the business. And I think being able to make educated decisions through innovation, ideation, creativity, marketing, you have to have a feedback loop and understanding of what the business is doing to make better educated decisions, uh, especially when you're running the brand. And, you know, really, there's there's only about three guys that are, are defining what the outwardly facing brand perspective of Black Rifle is. And there, there's a lot of weight to that statement because we employ 220 people and our maneuvers and what we do are directly impacting their employment for better or worse. And that's a lot of responsibility. Um, I definitely don't like contracts or doing any of that. Let uh, send that over to Evan's desk. I'm good. Yep. Uh, but yep. I mean, uh, definitely business of business is very, the more you know, the better you can make decisions. And I think um, that's something we've done pretty good with the owner operator team is really having open forum communication between each other and making collective decisions and not basing them off ego. And I, and I don't know about you and your company, and this is a question, but the more you get away from my idea needs to win to let's just have the best idea because the best idea means we get to hire more people. We get to hire more veterans, yes. which we're at about 50% right now, uh, veteran hire rate. That's really awesome. stoked on that. Bring yeah. that number up. Very cool. San Antonio is yeah. 53% veteran right now. It's cool. Sorry, just you know, a little pat in the back there. We're stoked. Talk to no, HR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're hiring six more veterans in the next week, so I'm like fucking stoked. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I saw you guys are hiring some more, and that that's that's a testament to what you're doing right now. Not only is it the right stuff, but the reasons for the right stuff. Because you know, let's be honest, the economy is kind of kind of weird right now, and I was I was very I felt very good that we were able to stay in business, being deemed essential for our DoD contracts and stuff like that. But we also had to hire some folks um, 
to actually wrap their off-grid racks, but we were able to get some of the service industry people from local restaurants that we that we go to a lot and pulled some of those people that lost their jobs and, and put them in the back and had them firing off on some stuff. And so I agree. It's The learning the business side is what I've had to do the most, but I'm starting to really enjoy now that the contract stuff gets off my desk, like you said, yeah. like, okay, I have a guy that does that, and so now I could – watch the the 30,000 view and see the different moves and predict things that are going to happen in our industry and and you know be a part of the the driver that changes the course of those and that's really really fun which is great cuz i i think that is a good testament to business not to go down this rabbit hole but uh, i always talk about core competencies and understanding what best value you bring to the team and i know that i'm not massive in like the implementation side or even developmental i'm more of like ideator and then developing those into actionable things and then i don't like to take them across the board unless it's like art form like you know i have no problem writing a script and then seeing it all the way through the edit but the cool part about business and i've started to realize is just like that rack you came up with you have this idea at night and it's literally nothing it's just an idea and then rallying and leading a team to execute on that and then one day you get to see someone working out at home going thank god i can get squats because i got you know d1 tryouts for whatever football team and and you made that happy uh, like happiness in their life and you changed it it's it's truly fulfilling to see that wildly so And, and we had some big contracts that we got in last last month big you know some good good sized contracts. And I'll be honest, I was happier and more excited about the off-grid rack because we were able to move fast. I like moving fast. I like seeing stuff come through. I'm a creator. And to see something that, like you said, didn't exist, then it existed. We saw it helping people. And, and that it's weird, probably much like I'm addicted to seeing people smile. I love seeing my customers and my friends smile. And I, and I just... Maybe, again, goes back to the little kid in me. I, w- I want to be liked. I was the only child. I didn't have brothers and sisters. So the kids across the street, I had to make sure that they were my buddies. And so, you know, maybe it's it's maybe back to the primal piece of that is hopefully I could do stuff for the industry that makes the industry smile. And we got so much cool feedback and endorphins and hit guys hit me left and right like, thanks, this really helped me out and all of this other. And we didn't make any money off of it. So if that's the case, I'm a bad business person because I enjoyed, I enjoyed the one that we didn't make money off of more than maybe like, okay, great. We've been working on this job for three years. We finally got it. Cool. It's going to be an awesome university. It's going to be awesome the day of. But right now it's just a piece of paper here. Bert, you know what? At the end of the day, sometimes laughter is currency and it's the most <laughs> important thing we can have in life. Because, you know, there's been a lot of things we've done over the last couple months that we could have benefited ourselves and we gave a lot of away. And I think that's why we like being in line with you and a lot of the other businesses that we partner with is because uh, happiness and community matters more than a couple extra dollars. And it's it's refreshing to see people act in that way. And I wish more people did. But the good part is I think you're starting to see socially a lot more people invest with their dollar in companies that they believe in and their mission statement and the give back. And I think that that that's a really good course for American business going forward. And hopefully we can bring more manufacturing and all that stuff to the United States. Yeah, agreed. I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you and your guys' videos. I mean, I show them to my wife, I show them to my in-laws, I show them like, Hey, check this out. Look what the guys did, you know? And it makes us laugh around dinner table and stuff. And, and I'm proud because I'm like, you know, these guys, I believe in their vision and I love, they make me smile and they make me laugh and, and, 
and, but then that bring, that builds a, a brand loyalty, right? And we, I was talking to one of my marketing guys today, and you know, I said brand loyalty is an interesting thing, and and I've noticed more and more as I literally got dressed this morning. I thought about it. I said, okay, I'm putting on, and I, I'm I'm going to, I guess, label drop for a second, but just to give a, a perspective. Um, you know, I put on a beyond pair of pants cause like, those are my guys. Like, and not only a, do I love the pants? They, you know, what I'll consider, like, I generally only work with like top three stem work with like in invest my own dollars. I'm not going to shoot a shitty scope or a bad gun or a, I'm not going to, you know, so these pants are awesome, but you know what? They remind me of Rudy Reyes and Rick Elder and like my buddies there. And so when I put them on, there's that little endorphin rush that goes, Hey, these are great pair of pants. They fit awesome. And I love them. But also I feel like I'm hanging out with my buddies right now and I hope I'm doing something right now that I makes me think of them or my knife in my pocket. I carry every day that Zach Brown gave me. If when I cut something, I go, man, I hope Zach's all right. I need to give him a call. Like, and so everything I'm starting to find in my life by design or just by how things work out, you know, again, plug for you guys. Hit the AK-47 coffee this morning. That's what we drink. And I go, man, I hope the guys over Black Rifle are doing good. You know, maybe I'll hit Matt up later today. But I know that my actions right now are supporting my friends. And that's what I'm finding more and more. I don't generally purchase products that aren't associated with someone I believe in. And I think that's what people need to understand in business right now, that that's where I believe it's going. I don't chase the bottom dollar thing and and neither do you guys and neither of the companies I believe in. We're chasing the higher customer experience and the social aspect of being able to support one another, not just cheap shit. I don't like, Oh man, I get to go to Walmart later on today. It's going to be awesome. There's mediocre products with a really low price and a variable level of service. This is going to be rad. You know, I, everything I run, whether it's bows, rifles, all the stuff I care about, I have a, a direct personal connection with the with the brand, and but by that, when I cook a meal, I'm able to look and go. I'm I might be by myself at the house tonight, but I'm having a party with my friends because each one of my friends had something to do with what I'm what I'm consuming right now, and because of that, I'm with my friends, even if it's in my heart or my head, or it might cause a, a text later. But I'm able to support my family. So with and that methodology, I, I need to essentially text you after every workout and say thank you for making <laughs> me fit. Everyone. Thanks for the bicep curls, Bert. It's <laughs> awesome. Very fast. Yeah, I was really thinking of Kylie Jenner this morning when I put my makeup on. And so <laughs> yeah, I just I hope she's I doing good. No. <laughs> but no, I think that's, you know, that's what's great about social media is that you get to right. put a face to the things that are behind a brand or a product. You know, yes. we... Well, it was a couple years ago now, but we had that like the vote with your dollar campaign mm-hmm. um, more as a concept than anything. But I think that's such a good point because it's like it is really important where you put your money. Like we we all don't have enough of it. And and where right. you decide to put that says a lot about who you are, what you believe in. And there's probably not enough, you know, overall ethos behind where we spend our money. And I and I think that brands like Sornex where there's a face attached to them and their miss their message their mentality is very clear it it makes the overall architecture of what we're doing economically much more interesting to where i can say i support this guy through my actions of uh, of purchasing said product right i believe in what they're doing you know it's it's a really unique situation and human nature that we're sitting in right now Mm -hmm. and and there's that weird little endorphin rush or that little ding or that little that little uh dopamine hit that i 
and maybe it's just because I'm delusional and I think that's a superpower as well with successful people is being delusional that it's going to work. But I get to literally, in my mind, visit my buddies every time I support their product, even if it's I'm out in the cave lifting something or shooting something or getting – I go, gosh, you know, hope John Dudley's doing well, you know, really loving how this is. I don't like know, John because every time I shoot my bow that he made me, uh, I just realize how terrible I am compared to him. I'm just like, wow. He, what a freakazoid, if, right? If he saw those last three arrows, he would be calling me talking <laughs> shit. <Yeah>. Oh, well. <laughs> Can't be great at everything. Bert, you have any uh, any trips on the wish list hunting-wise after all this – is over yeah, something itching yeah. at you a little bit because you you, yeah. you know we've we've been in touch for a couple of years now and yeah. like you said we did total archery challenge we hung out there for a while i know you're a very yeah, hopefully we'll hit that runner. again this year yeah um we are one yeah, of the no, lead sponsors this year actually yeah yeah freaking awesome yeah no i'm i'm pumped to, i'm gonna be out there i've already got my uh airbnb out there so i'll, I'll see you guys out there epic um yeah, I got a, uh, a muley hunt in Arizona with Big Chino Outfitters. Um, I was going to hit it last year. You go with Brady? One of those. Yeah, yeah, I would go out there with Brady. And, and um, yeah, there's just great guys out there. And so, again, get to, get to hunt with family, right? And then uh, I was hoping to get the bear hunt with the rivets this year, but this whole deal kind of shut that all down. Uh, Cam and, and, and uh, the rivets and pops, we all went out there last year and – um, that was a cool one. I'd love to get on some elk because, you know, get some buddies going this year. So why, so. why do you hunt? It's weird. Pops is a really good salesman of it when I was a little kid. So he was a big outdoorsman. And so when he would take me, he was – I think there's like a hack for, for being almost like a legendary, successful, relevant thing. Try epic stuff and epic stuff being over the – mediocre line right if this is what everyone's doing try some stuff up here like start a coffee company off of a bed of a truck and then tell great stories so i think you have to be a good salesman of what that is like i could convince someone to get into bow hunting or weightlifting if you give me 20 minutes because i'm so passionate about it i could tell them my experiences with it and most likely they're at least going to try it i don't care if they buy anything from me i just want them to try the things that i enjoy and so Pops was really, really good at like telling me hunting stories all the time when I was a kid and fishing stories. And I would hear all these grand tales, almost like the movie The Big Fish, right? And I was so pumped about it. I had these wild fantasy dreams of, you know, chasing these large animals and bows and guns and like – and this so burned into my hard drive that when I had the ability financially and, and I was just more mature and able to go do it, it's so burned into my hard drive. I don't even know what it would be like not to think of that. To the point where I'm happiest if I have a pair of boots and a rifle or a bow in my hand because that, and for some reason in my mind, equates to freedom. I have opportunity. I have I'm I'm a steward of my own vessel, my body, my time, and I'm going after something that I believe is is you know vital to my livelihood and. And, and I'm just – I'm clicked into that. And it's interesting. I'm starting – my son my, – I have two sons, a four and an eight. My four-year-old starting to pick up on it. Every night I put him to bed and he goes, Daddy, tell me a fishing story. <laughs> That's and, so cool. And it's interesting. And, and so after I tell him, he'll go, was that a real one or a made-up one? <laughs> and so he, he gets the – there's like the made-up ones. It was this big. It keeps going. Yeah. And so it's interesting. But I remember doing the exact same thing with my dad. So – I love it because there's a challenge, there's a purity, and what I learned from being in the outdoors early on, <clears throat> there was a 
there was a truth to it. People could lie. People could angle. People could do all this stuff, other stuff. But if I go outside and I go on a hunt or do whatever I'm doing and it rains and it's cold and I did not think to bring a rain jacket and a jack and a, you know, a, a cover, I'm going to freeze my ass off. Nature doesn't care. It doesn't care if I die. It doesn't care if I planned well. It doesn't care if I'm popular. It doesn't care if I'm rich. It doesn't give any of that shit. If I didn't do my my job, I'm screwed. And I love the purity of that. I love the purity that I'm against something that doesn't care if I live or die. And I have to chess game it to be successful within those those pieces. And the neat part is if I could if I'm successful, <clears throat> I could put my hand around, you know, the an animal that I that I got and I know that it's going to come full circle and I could feed my family with super good, you know, everyone, oh, super good lead protein. Yeah, I get it. That's pretty much what we eat all the time, but I love it. And I love the fact that when I watch my four-year-old son eat, he now knows what is this daddy? Is this a, a deer? Well, what kind of deer? Is it a, a mule deer or is it a, you know, and is this a bear or this? And I go, wow, they're getting it. They're getting it, that there's That's a, there's so a cool. barrier of entry in this. And there's a pride that I have when I'm able to feed my family, literally go out in the woods that looks like the woods. And I come back with food and I process it into food and then I eat it and I get stronger and I get leaner and I get more optimized to who the person Bert Soren was supposed to be. So to me, it's I'll hunt till the day I die. It's circle of life. I love the humility in that statement that, you know, uh, I think we get so wrapped up in, you know, social class and all of that. And I think a lot of people take themselves too seriously. Like, you know, hey, I have a name in business or I'm a leader here and all of that. But the cool part about individual actions like hunting and fitness for me uh, to, to yes and you is it's you versus yourself. Like the weight doesn't fucking care. Then like you said, nature doesn't care. It's literally you versus your mind and every construct that you have developed or you let society put on you doesn't matter. Like it's not going to swing that kettlebell an extra time. It's up to you, your brain and your, your conditioning, just like hunting, tracking an animal. It's that thing is not trying to get shot or hit with an arrow. It's trying to live, you know, and it's up to you to essentially primarily provide that food for your family. And it's you versus the animal. And it's very, to be redundant, primal. And I I really like that baseline of humanity where it's just like me versus myself. And the weakest person is my mind. And I have to try to beat the fuck out of it. Yes. And I have to get better. I have to I have to perform over or at least as close to my potential as possible and maybe even expand my potential. And and the only the really the two things I get at the most, that flow state and that feeling of real presence, because probably like yourself being a business, like both of you being business owners and you're always planning for the next thing. Right. I live my life a lot in the future. It's like when you're walking through the woods and you, you have a flashlight, you don't shine it at your feet. You shine it like eight, ten yards in front of you so you see what's coming. Well, your actions of your feet walking, you've taken in that information and you don't step on the log that you saw, although your feet are to the place it's in the dark. You've just kind of processed it, right? So I find so much of my life in business just a manifestation of what I've already decided I was going to do and then I execute on doing it, whereas – the two things I've found hunting and lifting really heavy weight, I have to be present. I can't think of, you know, what that banquet of that deer is going to taste like or what that bear rug is going to look like. I can't think of that because I have to get the job done right now in this second if I'm on a spot and stalk. Like, 
Two, two minutes from now don't matter at all. This second matters. 500 pounds in your back is trying to kill you. It doesn't matter. 500 pounds is going to kill you if you screw it up. I love that. I love that I have to be my best me in those situations. And it's, it's me against potential death. And I have to be super present. But I have a hard time if I'm not under those stressors getting super present in the right now because unfortunately I have the ability to think ahead too far. And as a planner and as a dreamer, that's great. But unfortunately, you lose part of your life because you're not living in it presently. I know that's a weird model. No, no, I absolutely love that. And I think part of that, too, I don't know if it's I know you're very similar to me, Logan, is like the meditation aspect of fitness and outdoors. I think we often forget how stimulated we are. And I had a fun exercise I did to myself the other day, and it was so bizarre to see how conditioned I was to go on Instagram. So what I did is... I deleted my Instagram app, no shit, for, no for two days. And what I kept catching myself doing, like I'd go to take a shit, app, app open, and I would click, and it would be not there where my thumb should be on Instagram. I'm like, oh, my God, I was just going to like – I was just going to – yeah. To have someone else feeding me information, whether it was some yes. chick with a giant booty on Instagram that I'm looking at or, or whatever. But it gave me that mental pause to go, okay – Let's think about my day, actually, and what's ahead of me. And I think the opportunity going out in the outdoors has been really great for me because a lot of us that are every single day, we have to be creative and come up with innovative ideas. And it shit wears on you. And once in a while, it's nice to take that two days out in the woods and you kind of remember what fucking matters. And it's it's such a good reset. And I think more people need to get away from technology for even if it's a couple hours a day, just go through that mental exercise of... I don't need to scroll through my feed and see all this negativity. I should just focus on myself and maybe, you know, kiss my wife or, you know, play with your kids or tell them a, a fake fishing yeah. story. <laughs> You're exactly right. Yeah, I was. I read the other day they said that the media or marketing and whatever it may be um, is the second most common thing that we ingest into our body after air that we breathe. Wow. And if you think about it, you, you watch more media or, or whatever it may be more than you eat. Yeah. So imagine that amount of of effect on your genes, on your on your cells, on what you are. And you're exactly right. I found I screwed up my phone and broke it or whatever a couple a couple about a year ago, and I was out of a phone for like a day and a half. The first six hours was tough. The next day was amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. And it was just like, I felt like I had just been set free because I didn't have the obligation. I'm like, ah, can't do anything about it. And then I was like, oh, I can't do anything about it. So I could just go do this now. I could, and I'm just a free person. And it kind of freaked me out, kind of like you said with the app. And, you, you know, if, if I uh, don't respond on social media for a while, I think I might do do the old Matt Best move in a minute. That sounds It's bizarre. Nice. I would challenge some of the listeners to do that. Just do it for like five hours and you'll see how psychologically conditioned you are to be involved in like the FOMO. Like, I got to look. Maybe Logan posted a yeah. cool fucking Instagram photo. Like, it'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> you know, but I, it, it was super weird for me, man, because I kept going back. I did it about six times and I wasn't even thinking and i try to open the app and i'm like what am i what am i doing i can focus on yeah like a little rat hitting a pellet yeah that thing. 20 minutes i spent laying in bed on instagram could have been 20 20 minutes of cardio you yeah. know like something more productive and in investing in myself rather than 
letting other people tell me what to do. Yeah, we do a trip just about every year to the a rafting trip on the Middle Fork of the Salmon River. I've seen that. And yeah, that looks awesome. It's so remote. You there's no cell coverage for for five days, and that first 24 hour period, you you find yourself wanting to check in and participate with this, but after that first day, you realize how much of a, a tether it is, and, and how much. Um, how easily your brain shifts and goes back to functioning without it and how and how much better it is when you don't have this thing that's constantly distracting you you don't even think about it in your day-to-day you don't think about how much that thing distracts you but within this conversation over the last hour you know i've been my phone's vibrated seven times i've gotten two phone calls and like that's distracting me i don't want to do that i want to be here in this conversation and and having this go on and if i think we have to have those times when we check out like just shut it off whether that's yeah. a hunting trip or an isolation trip you got to have those moments where you're without that that or weight just a, like a strange like you know i used to call them hosp- my wife and i call them hospital days and we we fantasize over these and the whole premise of it is that we're running so hard so fast so often and you kind of you like when you get sick for like a day or two and you just lay in bed it and we go, okay, what if we had a day where we pretended like we were sick, but we weren't sick? You just laid in bed like you're in the hospital and just shut off everything and let your brain actually think and recover with no input and just let your nervous system recover and let everything just recover for a while. And because every t- if it's like, if I'm much like you guys, if I'm not doing something, I'm figuring out what I need to be right. doing next. And if I'm awake, people are like, well, what, what, what hours do you work? I'm like, oh, I don't know. From the second I wake up to the second I go to bed, I'm doing something sore and related because I tell people I don't have a job. I get paid every once in a while for my life. And this is just what I do. And, but man, you talk about like, It'll drain. It'll drain you. It'll grind. Have you had to come up with like interesting ways to kind of combat that that influx of activity? Because I mean, I looked like a day yesterday. I was up at six thirty. The second I woke up, I was on an hour phone call with Evan, and until about two thirty last night, I was working. I was just and you know you had these great productive days, but that's not sustainable. And I've had to come up with like creative ways to walk away from some things. Like I'm a weird fuck. I put when I sit in my sauna, I put on Jesse Cook, which is a Spanish guitar, and I turn off all the lights and I just sit there for twenty five minutes, no phone, and I just focus on my breathing and I'm like it's such a good reset for me and I know it sounds like I'm a fucking hippie but I don't care because it's done wonders to my brain as far as being able to like be more efficient because I think as a business owner and maybe you feel this way too you get so caught up in the grind that you, you stop being inspired and you have to go participate in life to be inspired because that makes you more efficient in the things that matter 100 percent 100%. 100%. And in, I don't know if you've ever done a float tank or sensory deprivation you tank. Have, right? Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's in a similar aspect to what you're doing, Matt. And, you know, I would say the first answer is like you said, how do you, how do you have less? I would say, you know, don't be as popular. <laughs> it's just like, you know, all your followers and all your shiny stuff. But, um, no, man, I, but I get it. And, and I, again, talking to Zach a year or so ago, he talked to, he and I were, you know, he's one of my mentors and, you know, of course, you know, guy, you're a rock star. And so that, that comes with it. And he talked about protecting his magic. And that's what he was suggesting to me. He's like, listen, he's like, you're like the face of Sorenex and like, that's, it's your company. He's like the, the magic that you have, meaning 
the way that you can make people feel or the innovation or all the drivers of that. When you're at your best, he's like, you have to protect that like it's gold. Like that's the stuff that you have to have. He goes, if you're using it and paying it out all day long, you're screwed. He's like, if that means being more insulated from things from a time to time or whatever it may be, he's like, you got to protect your magic. He goes, that gives you the longevity to keep producing at a high level that's amazing and you look at him you know the guy will set out a 30,000 foot you know a 30,000 seat you know stadium then he'll go black for 12 hours or 18 hours or three days and he's like screwing around the house shooting archery whatever this and he's just pulling his brain back together and then bam concert happens and it's on and i look at that and go okay that's a more sustainable thing where Maybe I don't have, of course, the same scale and economy, whatever that. But it's like if I could be really freaking amazing for four hours a day and okay for a couple hours and then be Claude Rains for the rest of it, if I could just be out, you know, um, that's what I've tried to kind of work It's on. interesting, and, and I think a lot of us have developed this idea that, you know, structure doesn't work for a lot of people. Some people have to have it. But for me, like an eight-hour workday, I'm hyper unproductive. It's just like, well, I don't come in the office a lot because I get squirreled brain and I focus on low-priority right. items where two hours of me at 100% outbeats 20 hours of me at 50%, like bar none. And it's and And a lot of people you know, judge that mentality because they're like, well, you got to be in your seat. And for me, because I'm an adult and most all of us here on this side are is, and you're a free range American. American. It's, it's, it's that efficiency and output of quality work because that's how you make a difference. Not by just checking the box every single day. Right. Right. I, I, I uh, talked about grinding is what I would consider intermediate skill set. You know, people are like I'm on the grind. It's like, okay, great. Okay, you you never saw like in the old writings of a king or a judge or someone like that. They would always retire back to their chambers to think of this. So they retire. You know, they weren't on the front line like whacking the the nail all day long. They they would listen and go, okay, cool. They're going to go back and think of it, and think about it, and, and go over and over and over in silence, or maybe with their with their little group, and they're going to come out with with an answer or something that carries weight. And I think that's as business owners what we have to realize that in many ways we've outgrown the grind because you have 220 employees. I have almost 200 employees. Like they're paid to grind in a specific amount of time that's commensurate to what we pay them and, and, and what we need. My job is making sure that I make decisions and produce opportunity for them to, to be paid in that way. And much as your guys, like if you videos or products or whatever, if it takes 30 seconds that day, you made your money. Yeah. And if you're on the grind, if, you know, if that's your prerogative and that's where your mindset is, I don't, I don't think that allows you to have that 30,000 foot view to be yeah. creative, to be that visionary. If if your nose is down, if you're in the trench, you're not looking at the whole spectrum of what's going on. So even if you do have to be in the grind during some of the time, like you have to dedicate part of your life, your morning, your evenings, whatever yeah. that is, to say, okay, I'm going to detach, I'm going to go up, be at 30,000 feet, and just think about what could potentially happen. What What is the greatest yes. X factor that I can introduce into the situation right now that will benefit all parties involved? It, it's so true. It's that evolution of the business cycle where, you know, four years ago, owners were 
putting shipping labels on boxes and grinding and then, you know, okay, sold a couple more. We can hire someone to do that. And that alleviates that kind of stressor. And it's like never ending progression as far as leveling up because all of us have been in the grind before. I mean, grinded our whole lives, but the grind changes. It's not necessarily staying busy for 12 hours. It's how do I come up with the biggest, greatest uh, idea that not only provides value to the end state user of the customer and making them happy and hopefully retaining them in their business, but then also creating a positive ecosystem in the company and employment so people are motivated and passionate when they show up to work. And I think a lot of people forget about that aspect where it's businesses is to me uh, an, an ever challenging uh, game of leadership and how to motivate and inspire people to be great at their their jobs and core competencies within the organization. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. And, and you're exactly right. I've put together a bazillion racks and I've taken the trash and much like your labels, all that stuff. If I'm doing that now in a large scale, I'm paid too much to do it. And I'm not doing the things that I need to be doing that maybe me or only one or two other of the people could do. It's just I have to realize that maybe my side of my of my man and me goes, yeah, but I want you to see me working. Then I could I could swing the hammer all day too, and that's ego. And I and I have to go. Okay, I have to be all right with maybe some of my employees thinking I'm sitting at home in the cave and not doing anything. I have to maybe be okay with that. Because I'm looking out for them and trying to move the needle in a way. And that's been a hard thing for me coming from the old of like, as an athlete, you know, you wanted to see the coach watch, see you work. Right. I wanted to be the guy that was there like, ah, Soren really works. Okay, great. Is he the one making the Olympic team or not? Because working's fun and all, but you got to produce. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning about the fitness aspect of things is you got to have goals, right? If, yes. if that's all you're doing, if your nose is down, if you're in the trenches and you're not setting goals, you're like, well, when do I, what do I think about when I, like, you got to start there. You got to shoot that first yep. round. You got to set those goals. Yep. And then, and then you can know how to dedicate your 30,000 foot time. Yes. Yeah. It's the difference between human performance and a lot of work too. There's a goal. We're trying to be a great, whatever it is, or we're just trying to expend a butt ton of energy to lose weight. Okay, fine. They're two different things. Yeah, I agree. And I think a, a portion of that, because there's times to implement the grind where it's like luck and opportunity are a lot that play into business, yeah. but then seizing that opportunity, we were talking about that on a different show. But yeah. I mean, a good example, not to like talk about myself, but like literally last night it was like 9 p.m. Yeah, it's my podcast. Fuck it. It was like 9 p.m. and I was getting ready to go to bed and I just fucking, my brain just went bing, bing, bing. And I had three ideas. I went, oh my God. So I went and took a shot of Jameson to get my my creative going. And I just hammered out like another four hours of work because I was like, I know that I'll lose this right now if I don't act on it. And I could have just been like, oh, it's late. I've been working all day. But I'm like, nope, fucking get on the computer, get these ideas on paper so I don't lose them. And it's like that whole like, you know, write drunk, edit sober kind of thing. But when you have that passion, passion you gotta fucking put a pen to paper and sometimes i posted on my instagram last night like great ideas come at inconvenient times because i had so much other shit i should be doing but i knew priority based that was more important and it was this project that i've had writer's block for six months on and last night it just bing and i was like there it is oh my god i got it i got it i got it and then i just you know facetime four people and pissed them off and they got out of bed and luckily rallied around it and we uh we 
have it almost done um, just based off of that. Oh, that's so cool. But that, that's awesome. You were in a flow state. You had it. Your The frequency was right, and you struck while the iron was hot. And that's that's the coolness about not only what you guys do, but having a business that the owners and the, the top guys are so involved in it. You could pivot like that. And, hey, if you needed more sleep, you could have slept at noon today if you had to, if you worked till 4 or 5 in the morning because that's just – no one's no one's keeping a time clock on you, and the job is get it done. One hundred percent. I mean, I, Logan attests that I Facetime last night because I was like, I had the idea, and I'm like, all right, here are the things that I can't execute on as better as good as my business partner. So I'm like, Logan, mm-hmm. can you do this for me? He's like, got you. Called Evan. Evan, can you do this for me? And then I was called Eli, and so within you know an hour, we had structured everybody around their core competencies. So Teamwork makes the dream work because um, a lot of the aspects each individual had such a better perspective on how to make this project better and i knew what i could do the best so i'm going to focus on that like logie do this and and, you know he's giving me great ideas back and forth and i just love that cohesive feedback loop and i guess i'm talking in very fortunate circumstances but i think in business the team matters so much it's it's literally everything yeah and burr i'm sure you have a a stable of people who are within your close circle that you know you you would consider your team who execute on on these ideas that yep. come across the line, right? We have a little little text string that we just go, hey, and then everyone just, yeah. and then if we have to jump in or like, we're going to meet there early tomorrow morning or, hey, I need you to have this ready by the time I get there. And you're exactly right. That's how that's how it works, in my opinion, for businesses like ours. Um, I mean, all the big board meetings and all that other stuff, I ain't worried about all that. That's not how it gets Well, and, and for me, and, and this is a question as well, I found the the importance and it's i think the most important thing in business to find not yes men because as you grow in a leadership role you're like i think i want to do this and everybody's like great idea awesome whereas like now i have like four to five friends that are the owners where i'm like hey what do you think about this idea they're like that's fucking stupid matt and i'm like perfect yeah 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 that's actually a really fucking bad idea logan <laughs> you're completely right and then it's nice to have that like happen too often but 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 it's good. Yeah, you, you, well, like you need to surround yourself with people that aren't just going to be a constant hype train. They you know celebrate wins, right. but don't celebrate shitty ideas. But then you can't have an ego yeah. over shitty ideas. It'd be like if you came up with that first design iteration on that piece of equipment, and your whole team was like, "Oh, great job, we love you." It wouldn't have been as good if you didn't set it up, talk to your CFO, CMO, and go, "How do we market this? How do we make it better? The functionality needs to change. Let's let's fucking take that tactical pause and and mm-hmm. test it to make sure that end user." experience is the best that we can make it a hundred percent and like like you'd said it's it's so brilliant and i would it's difficult yeah i was i was thinking this the other day it's difficult as your let me say your let me say power necessarily but you're, you're you're running a bigger business both of us are and there's more and more people that will be inadvertent yes men just because because you're Logan and you're Matt and you're the owners of Black Rifle and there's probably 198 people at the company that be like, yeah, Matt, whatever. And then there's four. There's like, yeah, no, not not really, Matt. And so like my COO that we hired, I call him – actually call him my no man. <laughs> and and that that is actually – he's hired to tell me no. And 
And did you ever remember? I think it was World War Z or some zombie movie, and they talked about it was they call it the Tenth Man. And the whole point of that guy was when they had a they had ten people in a room like a committee, and no matter what all the nine said, the tenth man's job was to make everyone look stupid and totally shoot holes in everything they do. And all it did was to make them have to defend their position to the absolute last bullet to decide if they should move forward. So my my COO is just a crotchety, <laughs> super smart, super you know. And but he literally has a crystal ball on his desk, and you look in it, and it says no. And so, every, <laughs> so when people walk in, they walk in his office. He's like, oh, no, no, no. he goes, "Hey, check the crystal ball." He's like, "Nope." And and then so the first answer is almost always no. So I'll come like, "Hey, I think we should." Blah, 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 blah. He's like, "Well, I don't think." Blah, blah, blah. And we talked, and he goes, "It's not that I don't believe you and think you're right." He goes, I just want to make sure you know you're right. And so we'll go through this thing where he'll shoot holes in everything I could come up with. And then sometimes four questions in, I'm like, eh, yeah, I didn't think of that. Nah, screw that. And he goes, ah, I didn't he goes, I didn't even actually believe that. He goes, I'm just making you think through it. And so it's cool to have someone that's gonna push back all the time. And I don't my ego doesn't get in the way. I'm like, listen, M or MF or I own the company, I'm gonna do what I want. Like Yeah, it's like your business I, wife. Yeah, exactly. And the it's blue great. paint looks like shit, Matt. You got to go light gray. Okay, fuck. Okay. Paint the fucking wall. Yeah, yeah, but it's awesome that you guys have that. And we have a couple people here, but it's it's I can't explain how valuable that is to have someone that's just going to shoot holes in it until you have to defend your position so heavily. But then when we decide that that's the position we're going with, he's 110% in and going to put everything towards it. Then we can move forward and go, okay, we've worked the process. On no, that. I love that. It's, it's an exercise in development. And then you're getting it to a stage of uh, the highest likely success of execution. And we've done that before in talking points, interviews where we set up a murder board and I have three people just ripping into me about, the worst questions or the worst like con just and you're like ow this hurts right and like <laughs> the, the the plausibility of any of those things happening are very minute but you still have to be prepared whether it's developing a script and how is this going to be received and what are the third and fourth order effects of every decision and i think you know for people that are starting a business or getting into business like that creative problem solving is one of the most important things ever because you have to look at every even a good idea as a problem solving exercise of how is this going to yes. work? How is it going to function? Is it sustainable? And and really going through iterations of development before you implement. And that 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 is the key to success. I, I truly believe that. Yeah, you guys have you guys have done a fantastic job because I mean some of the stuff you do is is dicey, right? I mean yeah. it's not it's not straight down the middle where you're like, oh, we're safe on all sides. It's like, yeah, you guys walk the line and that you're able to do it and and look look down the rabbit holes. Well, what if someone takes it this way? What if someone it like I I really commend you guys of what you're able to do and and that you're so flexible. I'm not trying to kiss. It's because we're delusional. <laughs> Delusional. It's, it's crazy. a superpower. <laughs> Love crazy. Well, where can everybody find you, uh, Bert? Yeah, so uh, Bert Soren at IG, and hopefully I won't have it on for a couple days. <laughs> and um, I think I still do Facebook because my mom's on there. And um, Sorenx on IG, Sorenx Outdoors, Sorenx.com. We try to keep it pretty simple. Well, man, you're a great human. I could talk to you forever about random bullshit, but it was, it was fun just to get in and hang out and shoot the shit with you, brother. Yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah, well, for sure. Thanks uh, a total archery challenge. See you, yeah. Yeah, total archery challenge, and I need to come down to Texas anyway. 
I'll make it a point to come down to Texas and we'll shoot stuff and lift stuff. And I man have to shit. say, like when I was down, yeah, man, shit. I had to when I when I was down there real quick for the uh, we did your your install. I was super impressed when you guys did the Earl video. We got done. We got done with the video. We went home. We put the gym in that night. I think we got done like eleven or twelve. Yeah, because Matt wanted to leave the shoot. He's like, oh, "We gotta go get this gym installed." <laughs> He's like, "I'm an owner." <laughs> no, it was so more me in drag. I think that's why I wanted to get out of my dress and you know. Yeah, you were terrifying in drag, by the way. You're a yeah. big dude with in heels, um, so and with a fifty, and uh, and then we had stakes the size of a boogie board with Evan and yourself and a, and a, a couple people over there, and then had a couple shots of whiskey. And I remember looking, they going, "It's one in the morning. They've been working all day." Then we did an install, and there's two or three computers open right now while everyone's having drinks, and you guys are editing videos and coming up with ideas, and you could just see the love of what you guys did. Like, you loved it. You lived it. So if anyone's questioning out there what you guys really believe and stand for, like, that was... I told my guys when I came back, I was like, it's just like us. Like, they love it so much, and it's not like, oh, we're done for today. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to this, and this idea, and this idea. And it's like, damn, this is this is how you accelerate a business and and, caught, and create change in the industry and the market. So I have to say, like, it was cool seeing it cut all the way down to the bone. And uh, thanks for letting me be a part of it. Oh, man, thank you for the kind words. Just it's it's We're in a very fortunate position, I'm sure, like you, to, to be so involved in what we're passionate about. And I hope more people are inspired to chase their passions and turn them into a business because that's the American dream right there. Be a free-range American. Yeah, buddy. Right? Oh, right there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll see you in Texas yep. soon, brother. Yep. Take care, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Jim.